0: It's great to be with you tonight. I want to cover something a little different tonight. We're going to look at uh, the idea of Mercy Ministries. I want to present to you as we just continue to want to grow as a church and want to shape our church to be the kind of church that God wants. And this is a, an ever-growing process. You know, we don't want to sit and rest on our laurels and say, you know, our church is, is doing well at everything because we know that's not the truth we want to keep on excelling still more and one of the areas that we want to start presenting to you is the idea of mercy ministries that was a great song that we just finished with to think about the love of the Lord because it is the love of the Lord that motivates us to love one another and to love God as well and Mercy Ministries is an extension of God's love through us to people who are in need. I want to talk to you a little bit first about our philosophy of ministry as a church. What is a philosophy of ministry? Well, we have a doctrinal statement, right? That's all that we believe and teach and at least covers the major issues, major doctrines of the church But out of what you believe is what you do. And so we have our philosophy of ministry tells the characteristics that we want our community as a church to be known by. And the first of these is that we want it to be God glorifying. There are seven of these that you can find on our website. You can find them in the membership manual that you received if you become a member. But that's the overarching characteristic that we want everything in our ministry to be permeated by is that we want to be God glorifying second you've heard this emphasis by pastor Scott for ever since he's arrived at this church that we want everything to be Christ centered we're centered on Christ and his work on our behalf on the cross and his death burial resurrection salvation is only through Christ there's no other way to the father but through him uh, we also want our church to be spirit dependent. We we know that it is the spirit's work that must accomplish our sanctification. He must attend to his word and for it to be proclaimed and have a, a, a result in the hearts of people who hear. Uh, salvation is, is of the Lord. Will the spirit regenerates? He calls. He adopts. Just so many things we could go into that uh, So that means that we need to recognize our dependence for anything to be accomplished is on the Holy Spirit. And so we should bathe everything with prayer. And for those of you who came to the prayer ministry uh, focus on Sunday, uh, you heard all about that. Uh, So next we have the idea that we want our ministry to be scripture saturated. And I think you see that as... Uh, You hear a regular diet of uh, expositional teaching in almost every ministry, uh, the Word is certainly primary. We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. All of this, we want to produce a gospel culture. A gospel culture is where we who are recipients of God's grace, therefore, are gracious. And we want our church to be friendly and welcoming and loving, practicing all of the one another's towards each other. And that is the desire uh, for us to be gospel cultured. We also want to be disciple making. You've heard a lot about different disciple making ministries through the, the seminary, the Bible college, soul care, the discipleship training program. These are four that are going to be uh, high, highlighted this coming fall. We'll be starting on some of those. But we want, us, we want our church to be a disciple-making church, that we're fulfilling the Great Commission. And finally, we want our church to be outreach-oriented. All of these others, we're definitely focused inward, but we want to be going out and making disciples, winning people to Christ, showing love, showing people that we are salt and light in this world and uh, trying to preach the gospel Evangelize, do friendship evangelism. There's many different types of evangelism. The proclamation of the gospel is for everyone in our ministry. We want to be a church that where believers are regularly preaching the gospel to themselves. First Corinthians 15:1 through 3 tells us that the gospel was first, was delivered as of first importance. It's so important every single day to have that focus of the gospel, of who Christ is, of what he has accomplished. And therefore, by grace, through faith alone, in Christ alone, who I am and what that means. And so we need that focus for believers. But it is important for those being saved, and it's crucial for the maturity of believers... Colossians 1.28 says, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone in Christ. So for our own individual sanctification, we proclaim Christ. Just as you came to Christ through the proclamation of Christ, you continue to grow in Christ. Yet there is also a need to be an emphasis on communicating the gospel to the lost in order to make disciples. There are many different ways that people can communicate the gospel. And one of the things in our philosophy of ministry that we want to be characterized by is enthusiastic evangelism. The church universal, the whole church, was given the great commission to make disciples in Matthew 28 19 and other places as well. And evangelism is the individual churches, church members. Obedience to the Great Commission, the ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20. Evangelism is a natural overflow of the Christian life and should be a spiritual discipline of every believer. That's what we want to encourage, that everyone thinks about being an evangelist. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, "...let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds." And praise your Father in heaven. Each ministry then should include efforts to evangelize the lost. So when you're here on Sunday, if you meet people who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you should be trying to find that out, uh, we want to share the gospel here. We want to share the gospel in every possible meeting. But there is that gospel evangelism that we do outside the doors of the church. There's different types of this. There's door-to-door evangelism. There's also open air. Sometimes uh, people will preach uh, on a college campus or someplace where there's a public venue. You've heard of evangelistic crusades where these have been effective at certain times in history. But mostly, you're going to be engaging in personal evangelism with somebody that works with you or somebody who's in your neighborhood. But what I'm talking about tonight is sharing the gospel through mercy ministries. Ministering mercy. The scripture states that the church's primary mission is to serve the spiritual needs of the community, the ministry of the word. However, the church cannot overlook the importance of serving physical and practical needs, ministries of mercy. Sometimes these are less seen and yet we want to highlight tonight how much of an emphasis from God's word he gives us upon sharing mercy. The scriptures teach us that we are to care for the poor. In Deuteronomy fifteen seven and 8, we see in Israel, if there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns, in your land, which the Lord your God is giving to you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand from the, your poor brother, but you shall freely open your hand to him, and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need in whatever he lacks. This has been a principle ...of God's throughout for His people. We are to care for the weak. We're to care for the needy. We're to care for the fatherless. Listen to this passage of Scripture in Psalm 82, verses 3 through 4. It says, vindicate the weak and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them out of the hand of the wicked. So we see we're supposed to be responsible for the sick. For the hungry. Those who have been served by Christ and have been shown great mercy are to serve and show great mercy to other believers and to the world. Have you been shown great mercy? Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's one thing I want to focus on tonight. Uh, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It is not as a result of works lest any man should boast, right? But right after Ephesians two one through Nine, that teaches those rich truths, we have this verse that were created to do good works. And what are some of those works? If you go to the book of James, you see that he has a lot to say about good works. In verse uh, James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works, can that faith save him? A genuine saving faith always results in good works and if someone doesn't have good works then that is a faith that demons have they believe they haven't trusted and depended upon the lord jesus christ for for their salvation and are not regenerate because if you're born again you will produce good works and so James highlights this in James 2, 15 and 16. He says, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? The church ought not be this way, right? We ought to be people who are internally connected to the lives of one another, so much so that we know who has daily needs like this. James, in James 2.26, puts it pretty simply. He says, faith without works is dead. It is a dead kind of faith. Now, a lot of times when we start talking about uh, feeding the poor and uh, ministering mercy and, and uh feeding the homeless or um, prison ministries or a lot of these different things when we, we think about doing social things, especially outside of the church to unbelievers, you hear a lot of people say, well, that's the social gospel. But that's not what I'm talking about tonight. Social gospel is this. The Christian faith is practiced as a call not just to personal conversion but to social reform. Those who adhere to a social gospel seek to apply Christian ethics to social problems such as poverty, slums, poor, nutrition, and education, alcoholism, crime, and war. These things are emphasized while the doctrines of sin, salvation, heaven, and hell, and the future kingdom of God are downplayed or non-existent. There's been a lot of organizations that started well, but then lost the gospel and focused on reforming society, and that's a a horrible missed opportunity. Uh, There's also been a movement called Liberation Theology. It's a movement in Christian theology developed mainly by Latin American Roman Catholics that emphasizes liberation from social, political, and economic oppression as an anticipation of ultimate salvation. Now, of course, you've seen that become more prominent in the United States. You you hear more now about critical race theory and critical theory that uh, kind of propagates these same ideas. But simply put, liberation theology is a movement that attempts to interpret scripture through the plight of the poor or the oppressed. True followers of Jesus, according to liberation theology, must work toward a just society, bring about social and political change, and align themselves with the working class. And, of course, a lot of times you have political solutions by guys like this. But for a Christian perspective on the idea of a social gospel, we need to look to Jesus, who lived in one of the history's most corrupt societies. And Jesus never issued a call for political change, not even by peaceful means. He was the king. He didn't need to change it through their systems. He did not come to earth to be a political or social reformer. And the gospel Jesus preached did not have to do with social reform or social justice or political change. Rather than attempt to change governments and institutions which are made up of people, Jesus came to change people's hearts and to point them to God's kingdom. He preached the saving power of the gospel and the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. So part of our ministry, though, is to be merciful because God is a merciful God. And as we are like him, we will be that way, too. We're called in Ephesians 5, 1 to be imitators of God. The Bible is filled with references to God's care, his concern, his compassion for the poor, widows, orphans, downtrodden, oppressed, enslaved, sick, the hungry, outcasts of society, and all nations. And Christ has told us through the Apostle Paul in his word, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So what was Christ like in regard? regard to his concern for all of these groups. Well, Jesus cared for the sick. We see him healing people many times throughout the Gospels. And he, he cared for children. Jesus cared for those who are grieving. Jesus cared about widows. And he cared about strangers. Jesus cared about the Gentiles that were separated from the Jews, the Jewish people wanted to have nothing to do with Gentiles. Now, as we think about this, as we think about being like Christ, being like God in His mercy, we have to realize that, first of all, God has called us to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Galatians 6.10, Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And as I look at some other scriptures, we want to see that, that. that First of all, we're to be focused on the church. And the church should be a community that is characterized by this kind of care and concern for one another. And then secondly, we should see this as a way to evangelize people by being involved in different types of services and ministries that would shed or show God's mercy to others outside of the church. I want to look at Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. This is a passage on the judgment of Christ. And just notice the the basis, the standard of judgment. Now, you're going to see that this is going to be focused primarily upon the treatment that believers receive and how you could see that someone is a false believer by their hypocrisy and their lack of caring for uh, the believers who have need. But also, you know, we see these general categories of uh, where mercy should be shown that are a good highlight for how we would treat everyone. It says, but when the Son of Man comes in His glory... And all the angels with Him. Then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him. And He will separate them one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right hand and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink, a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you, sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, Whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. There's a truth there that is striking that we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are blood bought people of Christ, and we are in union with Christ so much so that He considers deeds done in love and mercy to a brother or sister in Christ is in fact mercy shown to Christ himself. What is the consequence of not doing this? Then he will also say to those on his left, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment. but the righteous into eternal life. Pretty striking difference, isn't it? The difference between whether you served your brothers and sisters or not. Now, that's not the basis of salvation. I want to emphasize that again. He says, these little ones who believe in me, you know, those who go who are called the righteous and go into eternal life were already righteous declared righteous based upon their faith in Christ before this judgment and the works they did are a result of having this faith let me look at a different scripture Luke 10:25 and a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How does it read to you? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus told the parable Jesus replied and said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went away leaving him half dead by chance a priest was going down on that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side likewise a Levite also when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side But a Samaritan who was on the journey came upon him and when he saw him he felt compassion and came up to him and bandaged up his wounds pouring oil and wine on them and he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I return I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said, go and do the same. That's what we want to focus on in mercy ministries. Are we the people who show mercy to those who need it? There are many different types of mercy ministries. And and before I just introduce a few of these, I want to say that we do have mercy ministries in our church. And over the next couple of months, we want to highlight some of these mercy ministries. And if any of these that I'm about to point you to pricks your heart, or God gives you a burden for this particular area, then that's what I want to hear. That's what I want to see is that, you know, I, I don't want you to feel like, okay, wow, you really laid it on us. <laughs> um, and when I've shown this in previous churches before, uh, some people came to me and they were just overwhelmed because there are so many areas that there are needs, big needs. And you can't do all of them. But I would pray that God would help you to find a heart for at least one of these. And that in the future, you would be able to funnel some of your efforts, some of your time towards serving people in the church and in the community so that we might reflect the mercy of God and the mercy of Christ to a watching world and draw people to Him. The first one is hunger ministry. There's, there's one particular organization we've helped before called Children's Hunger Fund. This is a ministry that uh, puts together meals for the hungry in various, diff, various uh, countries. A particular one that I'm familiar with is in Honduras. And in Honduras, uh, they would ship these containers with supplies and, and food for people and they would ship it to churches so that churches then can use all of these um all these meals to feed people in their own community and it's it's really good ministry but there's there's lots of different ways that we could do this uh, there's also homeless ministry you know what are we what are we doing i know the homeless ministry is tough it's really hard um There there are so many challenges to it, but it's an opportunity. It's an evangelistic opportunity. And and keeping people who are in the church from being homeless is something we should care about greatly as well. Crisis pregnancy centers. We have two that we support through this church. But just giving them monetarily um, support is one thing. But there are, are many different opportunities to go and to, to serve, to, to be a counselor, to, to man a reception, to answer phones. Uh, there's all kinds of projects that you could help with. And uh, so be on the alert for those. What about uh, shut-ins? People that can't get out. People that maybe you're in nursing homes or uh, assisted living facilities. People that are homebound. Who's ministering to them? We do have some people that do that. But what about you? What about ministering to prisoners? We've had several different uh, people that do that, you know, but a lot of these ministries, they're, they're hidden gems. You know, there's, there's one person that's going into a particular place, or maybe two. But we need to uncover these hidden gems and make them more prominent in our, in our church so that people would have opportunity to expand these ministries. Are you burdened for prisoners? What about adoption? What an amazing, I guess, just demonstration of the grace and mercy of God that is. Because, you know, we've all been adopted into his family, aren't we? We're adopted brothers and sisters in Christ by the Spirit. Well, there are a lot of children that need to be adopted. Many of you have done that, and wow, what an amazing blessing you are when you have adopted a child into your family. There are ministries that provide for adoption. Uh, We have a a man that used to be on staff here who has been part of a ministry that uh, will perhaps have him present sometime. Uh, Foster care, that's closely affiliated with adoption. If you think about taking people into your home, taking young people into your home that don't have a place to go, that don't have a family. Sometimes foster care children are, are adopted into families. But there is a great need for foster care. Um... David Platt, I believe it is, that uh, is the guy that wrote Radical, David Platt. Um, his church got a real burden for foster care. And they went down to the foster care office and said, what are your needs? What are your greatest needs? And they said, well, we, we need families. We need families to take in children. And he said, well, how many do you need? He said, well, we need about 80. And for that particular office, that particular county. And he went back to his church and he just appealed to them for people to take in foster children. And they got 120 families. They bled the foster care system dry. <laughs> What an impact. You think that had a gospel opportunity and a gospel impact? It sure did. What about domestic violence and other types of abuse that are going on? People who are, need to be rescued. There are battered women centers and different ministries like that. But what about in our church? You know, do, we, do we serve? Do we rescue? Do we protect? What about child abuse? Those that have been abused. Those who are in families where that has happened. Do we know each other well enough? Do we love each other well enough to really come alongside and help each other in those ways? What about those that are dealing with substance abuse, life-dominating sins? We have have ministries that uh, do help with this, recovery ministries. But this is a huge, a huge crisis and an opportunity to spread the gospel. What about disability ministries? It's Johnny Eric Santata. A lot of you older people know who that is. Uh, my age and up, I guess. Uh, I, I was asking people some, you know, just recently, you know Johnny Erickson, Toddy? You know Johnny, right? You know, they're like, no. <laughs> but she uh, has this ministry called Johnny and Friends. And you know, we have a disability ministry, but we could do better. We could be a place not just that has a disability ministry, but that wants to go out and find dis- disabled people and bring them in. You know, all of these, all of these ministries are, are really uh, characterized by messiness. If your church begins to be a place where people who are recovering from uh, substance abuse... People who are homeless, people who are hungry, people who are poor, people who have been abused, uh, people who are disabled, people who have needs. Start coming to your church. You you start adopting people and and bringing in foster care children. Uh, It it becomes a messy church in a good way. It's messy with mercy. And that's what I'd love our church to be. Having challenges every single Sunday. Having the difficult, difficult stuff. Where we have to rise to the level of utter dependence on the Holy Spirit and on one another. But know that we're doing what God wants us to do. What about widows? Are we ministering to widows and not just widows that, uh, that has a perhaps a husband who has died or, or a widower, um, but what about the divorced? What about those that are separated? What about sex trafficking? You hardly ever see sex trafficking in the in the news in the media. You hardly ever see this advertised as uh, the huge problem that it is, but it's incredible how much of a problem this is in our society. But I've known people that are on various ends of this. You know, some some are trying to keep people from going into it, and you know, this is tied to foster care as well. You have fo- you have people who are in foster care that age out of the system. And the sex traffickers are ready to just pick them up. And then you have people who are trying to do interventions and rescues to get them out of that sex trafficking industry. And Then you have places that are shelters where they can go and hide and then be protected and cared for. Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a part in such a ministry? There's people who just need financial counseling. That's a mercy ministry. Help somebody to be stable. Uh, There's lots of disaster relief efforts. We've been involved in hurricane recovery and uh, relief. We support some ministries that do this as well. There's tornadoes, there's fires, there's floods. And people need mercy in those situations. People have challenging marriages that are really in trouble and that's a mercy ministry as well to reach out to somebody who's, who's in need of help in that way. What about single parents? Do you know any single parents in our church? We have, we have plenty. And just think about a mom that has to work full time and take care of her children And doesn't have a a husband. Think of all that a good husband can and should do in a home that now she doesn't have. So here's my challenge to you. Begin to think and pray about an area of mercy ministry that you might want to be involved in. Let me know your area of interest, and I'll try to get you connected with what we do have. Or, This is how ministries start. This is how ministries start. Somebody gets a burden about helping in a certain category, a certain way, and God lights a fire in them. And then, you know, as pastors, as shepherds, it's not our, it's not our responsibility to do all these things. It's our responsibility to, to help you do them. And so if somebody gets a a fire lit in them, uh, I want to help you to try to steer in the right direction, try to determine, you know, what are the needs? What are the resources that we can have to take care of this? And my email, by the way, is just brian, B-R-I-A-N, at riverbendchurch.com. If you know of an area of ministry that I've not suggested, let me know. There are many other mercy ministries. This is just what I brainstormed about today. If you have knowledge of a particular ministry, please help me be more informed. In one of our seminary courses, I taught about this. We had a whole uh, month long course on mercy ministries, and we had different groups come in, like Johnny and Friends. Uh, to present their ministries and our, uh, our ministry called WARM, which is uh, helping mothers who are recovering from addictions. Um, gave a presentation. It was, it was just amazing to find out about what they do. But I'd love to get informed about whatever ministries you're aware of. And finally, take the initiative to get involved and direct a ministry if God would lead you to do that. So this is our mission, the Great Commission, making disciples. But that has a very broad reach. As we make disciples, there are many ways, many places, many ministries through which that is done. And I commend to you to show mercy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you for how merciful you are to us. You have shown us powerful mercy in saving us. We were in need of you to pity us and to see our sinful, dreadful, hell-bound condition deserving of wrath unable to do anything that would be pleasing to you, utterly controlled, dominated by sin and Satan and headed for death and destruction, not just physical but eternal. And yet you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to live the life that we couldn't live and die the death that we should have died and rescued us, as he was resurrected, enabling us to have hope that we could one day rise from the dead again as well. And we thank you, Lord, that we have a great high priest who has passed into the heavens, who sits at the right hand of the Father, and he intercedes on our behalf, and he enables us to have mercy and grace in our times of need. We pray that the mercy we have received would cause us to be merciful to one another, that we would just put to death all complaining and bickering and hate and anger and petty, petty arguments and grudges and bitterness that we hold on to, Lord. We pray that we would be others-oriented, that we would consider the needs of others as more important than ourselves, that we would be moved to reach out. We would practice all of the one another's, capped off, of course, with loving one another, but be hospitable, be kind to one another, forgiving as we have been forgiven. Lord, make our church a light that people would see that we love one another and that we love unbelievers as well. Help us, Lord, to find people who are needy in our church and people who are outside as well that we can evangelize. We pray that you would make us merciful, Lord. We need your spirit to work in our hearts to convict us where we are not merciful, To create in us a clean heart. To enable us to walk in the works that you prepared for us in advance that we should walk in them. We pray that we would be seen as having, not having a dead faith but a living faith. And that we we would understand that pure and undefiled religion is to visit widows and orphans in their need. Make us such a people, God. We cry out to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.